Now we're going to talk about somebody this morning from the book of Job who has tremendous integrity. And as we go into the life of Job, I want you to just to follow along this morning and just kind of break down the chapter very quickly. We're starting in chapter 29. I want to focus in on 31. So in your notes, you write these things down. You read them for yourself. But let me just set the scene of what's happening in Job in this story that if you're just joining us, Job is sitting there on an ash heap in the dump. He's talking to his three friends who have come to comfort him after he has lost his children, lost his businesses, lost a lot of his servants. And they've been sitting there first of all for seven days not saying anything. But then after the seven days, man the faucets open and they didn't stop. There has been a series of speeches that have taken place. The friends have said to Job in this conversation, they have said, Job, the reason you have all these problems is you've got sin in your life. That God is punishing you. And each time, that from chapter 4 up to this point, he had Eliphaz make the statement and then Job defends himself. Then Bildad makes a statement. And then Job defends himself. Then Zophar. And then they repeat the cycle two different times. And so Job has repeatedly said up to this point, he says that I've got no hidden sin in my life. I don't have any hidden sin. And this is happening to me. And so now we're in Job's final statements. We're in the middle of his lengthy final uh, speech before his three friends. We already looked at chapters 26 and 27 and 28. The last time we met and did Job on a Sunday night a couple weeks ago, you should read those chapters. You should get that study. And how Job was very very, very clear about what he thinks about God and how majestic and mighty and awesome God is. Now, he gets into chapter 29 and he starts off and I want you to just catch this phrase at the beginning of the next two chapters here. Chapter 29, moreover Job continued in his parable and said, oh that I were as in the months past as in the days when God preserved me. Jump over to chapter 30. But now they are that are younger and so just those two phrases. He's going to look back in chapter 29 and then what he's going to do, he's going to talk about here what's happening in the present. And I want you to catch several different thoughts, okay? Again, you study these for yourself, but notice this, that in chapter 29, Job basically says this, my personal integrity, the way that I lived resulted in many, many blessings in the past. And that's what chapter 29 is all about. If you go through chapter 29 and you take the time to read it this afternoon, you will see that he's talking about the good old days, the months in previous. Now, we don't know how long this illness has been going. It could be months, it could be years. And so he is talking, saying, before this afflicted me, there were some things that were really important to me. And they're going to show you his value system. They're going to show you what he considered to be the good things of the days past. In the first few verses, if you look at it, he's going to talk about how in the past I was really close to God. If you look at verses 3 and 5 and just get the gist, when he talks about, as in the days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me. And then he's going to make another comment. He says, back then I had my kids. Those were really important to me. That was a really good day in my life. And he's going to talk about when he had his kids, it was like that time when there was lots of butter. Uh, it must have been something that for him was really a delightful food. You know, like for me, lots of M&Ms. 
Okay, peanut M&Ms. For some of you who have real food issues, lots of coconut. Okay, you know, whatever it be. He's saying lots of butter, and he says that it used to, you know, in the past it was like rivers of oil. Is he talking about that cistern where they would, where they would pound the different, the different um, f- uh, figs or the, the olives, and then they would just open up the, the spigot and it would roar, uh, come rolling out? Or is he talking about on this hillside near his house, there was all these olive trees, and it was like a river of, of blessings coming out in his life. We don't know. It's poetry. and We're not quite sure. But then he mentions something else. He says, in those days past, and this is a lengthy section, he talks about how he would go to the gate of the city in verse 7. And remember when you see that, at that time, that's where the, um, that's when the, where the city council would meet. That's where the county commissioners would meet at the city gate. And he talks about how he used to be influential. People would listen to him. The kings would listen to him. The princes, they would stand when he would come. Just read it through. You'll see what he's talking about, how that individuals, he could be there. And, and he made a difference. When he was there, he would defend the poor and he would, he would help out those and he was making just judgments. He wasn't giving in to bribery as you'll see how he, he defended and assisted the needy, the poor, those who were, who were hopeless, who didn't have a court-appointed advocate. He took that upon himself. And he says, those were the good old days. It was a time when I felt useful and I felt like I was contributing and I was making a difference. Some of you understand some of that. Some of you have in the past, you, you, were, you were really active and involved in community and your, your ministries and your church. And then all of a sudden you hit into a situation where it might be because of age or because of a health issue. You can't do what you used to do. You can't teach like you used to do. You can't go and do visitation like you used to. You can't contribute and you say, man, those were the good old days when I made. That's Job. He says, I used to make a difference. I used to make an impact. And now I'm here on this ash heap and I can't even move. The sickness is so great. That's chapter 29. Then chapter 30 starts off where he's going to, oh, I'm, I'm going to miss something if I, if I don't mention. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Verse 18, he make, makes comment. He says how in those good old days I felt in good health. I felt secure. He says I was that highly respected person. They gave ear. And so he mentions that twice actually in that whole section. And uh, in fact, at the end of the chapter, he makes, he makes the comment, and this is interesting, if I laughed on them, they believed it not. In the light of my countenance, they cast not down, I chose out of their way and sat chief and dwelt in the, as the king in the army as one that comforts the mourners. Um, the wording is a little bit difficult in, in some of the translations. It has the idea that when I, when I used to, in the past, I'd smile and those who believed not, those who were really discouraged by their troubles, even my smile upon them was encouraging. It was uplifting. And I was a real encourager. And, uh, and their problems and their issues, they didn't change my countenance. In fact, I used to go and help mourners, those who were grieving. And then now he's saying, and here I am. There was a day that I used to go out and minister to people who lost family. Now here I am. I am one who, uh, who I'm sitting here and I need the help. And who do I get? I get you three guys who are beating me up when I need encouragement. So that's where he starts now into this next chapter, in chapter, 29, in chapter 30, where all of a sudden he shifts gears. But let's pause for a second and let's remind ourselves what he has just done. He has just taken the time in the midst of his trials and difficulties to reflect on blessings. Is that a good thing to do? Is that helpful to do when you feel defeated and discouraged? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you can sit back and say, hey, there are blessings in all my troubles. I can see. I can talk. I can play. I can learn. I have clothing. I have the shelter. I, I can still have some freedoms here. Other blessings. I can be an encourager. It's not always wintertime in Pennsylvania. There is a summer. Okay. The forecast isn't always the four-letter word of S-N-O-W. Okay. There are blessings. And so even in the in dreary times, there's a lesson here. If we wanted to focus just in this chapter to say, you know what? In tough times, we should pause. And we should find blessings. You know, can I suggest something? If you haven't done this, you should be doing this regularly. If you who have little children, you who have the grandkids come over, why don't you make your meal together a meal of blessings? Don't wait until Thanksgiving. Make this a regular habit that at the end of the day, when you're having your supper meal, if that's the time that your family meal and works, talk about the blessings of the day. Don't make it a complaining time. Make it a praising time. And get your family, get your kids, your grandkids, get a mindset that says, let's stop whining so much. Let's look for blessings in our life. It makes a huge difference. Well, Job is doing the, doing the blessings, but then he talks in the next verse and he says, okay, now the reasons that those are such blessings is because of this. My personal integrity did not keep me from many of the burdens that came into my life. My personal integrity brought many blessings, but they didn't prevent me from suffering in my life. But now, chapter 30. But now, and he goes on and he starts listing a lot of the difficulties that he's facing. He's, and he starts off, look at verse 1. But now, they that are younger than I, they have me in derision, whose fathers I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flocks. He, he starts off talking about, you know, I used to be influential. And I used to be able to uh, comfort others. And I used to make a difference. But now that's not the case anymore. In fact, he starts off, he says, talking about people. People who in the past, they were individuals I wouldn't even hire to be with my sheepdogs. These were individuals, and he describes them being shiftless, lazy. Look through the, the passage. That he talks about how they were, their, their whole life, they were just, they were bums. They were un, uh, unreliable. They were not dependable people. But even those people, those people who would be pushed out of our society, they would be considered the derelicts. They mock me. He says, they abhor me. Those people, they have me in derision. They spit on me. That's where I'm at now. That's where my situation is now. That I am in great physical agony, he talks about. Verses 15 through 18. Mark it down, look at it. He talks about how he is suffering physically. And then he says, then I feel as if God has rejected me. And that's where he goes in this section down about verse 19. Where he says, he has cast me into the mire. I am become like dust. I cry unto you, God, and you don't hear me. I stand up and you regard me not. He says, you're cruel to me at times. And then he summarizes how he feels. He says, I just feel like everything, everything is overwhelming. He feels like a person trapped in, in the rubble after an earthquake. That he's calling out and feels like, I can't get out of here by myself. Somebody help me and God, you're not helping me. That's what he talks about in that whole chapter. He says it is overwhelming. His three friends, remember, 
Now he's been talking with them. They have said up to this point, your sufferings are your fault. He swears up and down, I haven't done anything wrong. We even saw that last week when we looked at his study. He says that his suffering is not because of sin, but it leads him to once again state, I am innocent, I am innocent, I am innocent. And that leads us to the next chapter. The next chapter is where he's going to declare his innocence once again. This is where I want to focus. Because this chapter is phenomenal, what he says. He says, my personal integrity showed in my everyday life. I am innocent. I used to be blessed. You guys all know that. My, my, my lifestyle didn't keep me from suffering. I'm suffering. But it's not because I've done wrong. And so this next chapter, he says, I have not done wrong. In fact, and he's very, very pointed. Very specific about how he conducted himself. How he was a man of integrity. How that he is going to say 19 times... He's going to make the comment, if I wasn't, then let this happen to me. If I wasn't, then let this happen to me. 19 times he's going to make that point. And he's going to make something that I think is really, really valuable here. He's going to talk about his righteousness. He's going to talk about his integrity. Whatever word you want to put in there, they're the one and the same for our study. But he's going to say it showed up in my everyday life. And all of his specific applications... You know, if you guys can prove I wasn't this way, if you can prove I wasn't this way, then let something happen to me. If I wasn't, and every one of those that he throws out there for them to look at his life are every day. It's not a Sunday church activity. It's not something that would show up here. It is going to be, what were you like outside of the worship center? And he's going to be extremely specific. Now, keep in mind, he is going to say, I lived a life of integrity, though I was a very successful person. You know how that comment about how power corrupts? It didn't in Job's life. You're going to see how he is very specific, that even though he was wealthy, even though he is powerful, he did not abuse that power, though he was successful. You're going to find that he's going to say, I was like that, and I still am this way. My sufferings have not changed the way I conduct myself. He is going to make a comment that there's a wicked society out there. That even those, those wicked people, those people that I wouldn't have hired to be taking care of my sheep, I wouldn't even put them in the class of my sheepdogs. He says, they didn't change my, me and my integrity. I lived in such a way, and I continue to live in such a way. And he's going to end up saying, you can examine every portion of my life. You can look at me. The way I walk, the way I talk, the way I did things. You can look and you won't find something in my life. You won't. And he's a man of integrity even though Satan has attacked him. Can you say the same things? Can I say the same things? That in our whole life, that in the way we conduct our relationships with one another, in our presence or out of the presence of others, the way you treat them, the way you handle finances, the way that you take a test, the way that you, you look towards people of the opposite sex, can you say, I am a person of integrity? Job could. And Job did not excuse inappropriate conduct, wrong conduct, by saying, well, I'm in pain. Well, this is the way the society is. So as we go through 
his statements of integrity, ask yourself, is this in my life? Is this how I live? Is this, if God could look at me the way Job is saying, God, you look at me. You check. Would God see that I am living at this same type of standard of life? Remember, God has said he is righteous. God has said, and why did God say it? Because of what he lists here. Let's go through it. These are good standards here. He says, I have a purity boundary. He starts off and he says in verse 1 of chapter 31, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maiden? For what portion of God is there from above and what inheritance to the Almighty from on high is not destruction to the wicked and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? He is going to say very clearly, I did not lustfully look at any young woman. That is not what I did. I didn't look at some unmarried woman and I know I'm a wealthy man and yes, could they have made concubines? I didn't do it. I had purity in what I looked at. And so he's very clear in this matter that he had determined ahead of time to make a covenant, a vow of having moral purity in what he looked at because he knew God was watching. He knew God saw everything he did. God would see how he looked with his eyes. He says, I determined I would be honest. He mentions that in verse 5. He says in verse 5, If I have walked in vanity, or if my foot hath hasted to deceive somebody, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. And so he talks about that idea. And by the way, in the original language, the word that he uses for van- that's translated in the King James vanity, it is the word for lying. It is the word falsehoods. It is empty speech that isn't true. And then he talks about, let me be weighed, probably in his business dealings. He's saying, I was integrity. I was a person of integrity. You could trust my word. You could believe what I would say. That when I told my parents, or if I told my kids something, I was being honest. And, and in my business dealings, I was honest. Then he mentioned something else. He says, I didn't know how to have any moral compromises. Similar but different to the first one. If my heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind it unto another, and let others bow down upon her. For this is a heinous crime. Yea, it is the iniquity to be punished by the judges. What's he talking about? What's he saying? He says, I didn't, not only was I careful with what I looked, I had no inappropriate relationships with another married woman somebody else's wife. He said, I stayed away from anything that would appear like I am being too aggressive, too forward. If it's my servant's wife, if it's a businessman's wife, he's, he's, he said, I didn't, I didn't linger by the tent. Hey, let's move it to modern day. He'd be very careful having conversations with somebody else's wife. He'd be very careful being in a private place. Maybe it's a vehicle. Maybe it's an office with somebody else's spouse. He was trying to live really above board and be very, very careful not to put himself in a spot where at work he's listening to somebody else who's married, who's giving and pouring out their heart to you, and they find such solace and comfort in you that all of a sudden they get attracted to you because you listen where their spouse doesn't. Does that ever happen. He's a man of real high integrity. Very careful. And he says, then he goes on, and, and, and remember, he's a very wealthy man. He's a ruler. 
of his society. He says, look at this. If I did despise the cause of my manservant, verse 13, or of my maidservant, when they contended with me, what then shall I do when God rises up and when he visits? What shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him my maidservant, my manservant? And did not one fashion us both in the womb? If I have withheld the poor, he is going to say, and he's making this comment, that when his employees came to him with a complaint, that even though he was the boss, even though he was powerful, even though he was wealthy, he didn't dismiss them. He wasn't disrespectful to those who worked underneath him. In fact, he makes the comment very radical. He says that they are in the image of God the way, the same as I. They, they think this to be an amazing thing in a society where there was bondage and slaves. That he held this view. That he would say they are humans in the image of God and I dare not mistreat them. He goes on. He says, I distributed to the needy. This is integrity. Verse 16. He says, if I have withheld the poor from their desire, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel all by myself, and the fatherless hath not eaten thereof. For from my youth he was brought up with me, as with a father, and I have guided her from my mother. Even those who are in my neighborhood that I knew for years and years and years, I was charitable when they had need. If I have seen any perish for want of clothing, or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me, and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless, when I saw that, when I saw my help in the gate, that I could do something for them, then let my arm fall from my shoulder blade, and my arm be broken from the bone. So he's making very clear, he says, I didn't hold back when I could help out. When I had opportunity to give to a bounty box, I gave to a bounty box. When I had opportunity for somebody who needed a widow, who needed assistance, I didn't claim I was too busy. I went and did the assistance. I gave, I did. When I saw that I could, even though I was managing all kinds of business, even though I was managing civil authority, I went out of my way to assist people. I personally did this from my youth on. That I was the one and not leave it up to other people. Can you say that? Can you say that's you? That you are doing what James says is pure and undefiled religion. That you visit the widows and the fatherless. Job could. Job is saying that I did this. And he says to a point, he says, If I have done miss anything towards those who were in need and I didn't respond when I could, then let my arm fall off. I have done many, many dumb things. I mean, I, I've told you too many of them already. But just a few months ago, I did a really, really stupid thing to somebody who probably thought, let my arm fall off. The young adults were doing a fellowship in the, on a Sunday afternoon here at church. I had gone out and made some visits to somebody that needed some, uh, some counseling situation. I come back to church in the afternoon. And um, I walked over, saw that they were playing whatever they were playing down there, whether it be uh, frisbee, football, or something. They were in the retention pond. And there was three or so of the young adults that were sitting on the bank. And one of them, one of, this, one of, one of the young men who is probably here this morning in the church service, is sitting there and just kind of with arms like this. And the others are sitting, and I walked up, and just out of stupidity, I kind of just with my foot just pushed on his shoulder. 
you know, because I walked up, they didn't see me. I kind of pushed on his shoulder just ever so lightly, just pushed him aside. As soon as I did that with my foot and just said, hey, how you doing? The two girls went, ah! And I obviously knew with that keen sense that I have that, you know, I blew it once again, you know, because the young man went, and the girls went, ah, that I pushed him when I shouldn't have pushed him. He had dislocated his arm while they were playing it, and this was the arm, and I come, and I didn't push it back in place, okay? And it was just like, oh, how could I do that? That was so dumb, and it didn't mean anything, and I'm sure he wished his arm could fall off. That's Job sitting there and going, oh, if I have, if I have not helped people out, then let me lose my arm. Then let me lose my arm. You know, something that I think is so vital to my life. You know, flip side of it, there are people who won't even lose an hour to help out, to visit a widow, to go and help out those in need. And here he is, he's saying, you know, my whole life is on display. Check it out. This is what I believe that God would have me to do, to be honest, to be pure, to be an individual who is charitable. He goes on, he says, and I rejected materialism. This is coming from a guy who had monies, but look what he says in verse 24. He says, if I have made gold my hope, or have said to the fine gold, you are my confidence. If I rejoice because my wealth was great and because my hand had gotten much. He goes, if this is the way I lived... If this was me, if I put my trust in money, though I had money, now he's not saying money is wrong, and it isn't. Money is not wrong. It's the love of money is the root of evil. And he says, and if I was arrogant about what I possess, oh, you should see it. We paid, you know, we got this too, and we saved this much dollars, and we spent this much dollars, and, you know, bragging and being, he says, I, I'm not materialistic. I was blessed with material, but I wasn't materialistic. Then he goes on, he makes another comment. I rejected spiritual compromises. It's a phrase that I don't understand when I read it the first time, and probably you did, but I didn't. If I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in brightness, and my heart hath been secretly enticed, or my mouth hath kissed my hand, and it's like, I, I don't get it. You know, is there anything wrong with doing that? Yeah. Well, to Job there was, because this is the, he's living in a world where the sun is worshipped and the moon is worshipped. And he's talking about how in their society, a lot of people would worship creation, not the creator. And so what you would do, and it, was, it comes out in others, that if you wanted to make a salute, um, some type of gesture towards a deity, we, we would reverse it and do what? Okay. He's saying, if I ever did that, if I ever compromised my faith and gave any public demonstration that I think that those deities are important, then let me be judged by God. I did not, in any way, shape, or form, give any indication that I would compromise my faith. And then he makes another statement. He says, if I wasn't kind to individuals. Look at verse 29. Where in verse 29 says, if... Um, he says, if I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me, or lifted up myself when evil found him, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to those who did me harm. 
If the men of my tabernacle said not, uh, said not, oh, that we had of his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. And he goes on, he's talking in verse 20, 20 uh, 31, 32. If the stranger did not lodge in the, uh, did, did uh, not lodge in the street, but I opened my doors. Yeah, and he goes on, he's basically saying, I was charitable. I was kind to people. My enemies, people who, who mistreated me, I did not mistreat them. I never thought vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. When people needed a house, I opened up my house. I was hospitable. I, I did what God told me to do, to, told me to be hospital, hospitable. Then he makes another kind, another statement. I despised, he says, all forms of hypocrisy. Look, look at verse 33. If I covered my transgressions the way Adam did. How did Adam cover his transgressions? The, the fig leaves or the leaves. That he covered himself. He said, if I did what Adam did, instead of confessing, by hiding my iniquity in my bosom, did I fear a great multitude or did the contempt of families terrify me that I would keep silence and not even go out the door? He said, so he's making the comparison that he didn't try to hide the way Adam tried to hide his sin when God said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And Adam tried to cover it up. And then Adam not only tried to cover it up, but who did he blame? Eve, his wife, okay? It was, it was the family's fault. It wasn't his own fault. He said, I never played that game. And by the way, by the way, what have his friends been saying Job is guilty of? Secret sins. And right now he's saying, I didn't have secret sins. And then they said, well, you, you act as if you say you never did sin. Look at the text. Does Job admit that he had sinned at times? Yeah, he does. In this very text, he is saying, he's never claimed to be sinless. But what he's claiming is that when I did sin, I confessed it rather than hide it. Then he says, that's a person of integrity. He says, I, I didn't cover it up. I didn't pretend. And so he's, he's saying in this, in this moment, he's saying that whether in the past or in the present, he says, I don't have any secret sins. And I wasn't covering my sin because I feared what people would say. Did you catch that, what we just read? Look at it again. He says, I didn't fear what people would say if I came out and said, you know what? I did this and it was wrong. I didn't, I didn't fear, I didn't stay in my house and live the life of a hypocrite. When I did wrong, I made it right. If I cheated on the test, I'd go and tell the teacher I cheated on the test. And if they would think less of me, so what? I'm right with God. If, if I lied, if I, if I did something at work that I wasn't supposed to do, I'd make it right. If I took something I shouldn't, I'd make it right. It's Job. He says, I wasn't out of fear of my employer or what might happen. I didn't stay in the house and didn't keep my sin secret that nobody would know about. I made sure I made it right. That's a person of integrity. That should be you and me. Then he makes another comment and he says, I rejected all forms of greed. Look at the last couple of verses. If my land cry against me or the furrows, likewise, they have complained. He's talking about how he did his farming and how he hired people is what he's going to be. If I have eaten the fruits thereof without money or have uh, caused the owners thereof to lose their life, then let thistles grow. He's talking about when I dealt with, with you know, business, 
I insisted that I would pay for the labors of others when it was appropriate. When I was dealing with properties, I didn't take somebody else's property, somebody else's livelihood, and if I did, then let my own lands speak out and raise their voice to prove that I'm a liar. He said, I didn't do that. Doesn't he immediately remind you of what character wanted somebody's land and even accused him falsely? King Ahab, remember? That he even had Naboth, thank you. He even had Naboth lied about and then killed so he could take it. And, and here Job said, this isn't me. What I find really interesting is he didn't get religious integrity when the suffering started. Now I'll live for the Lord. So every, all the bad things go away. What is he saying? This is the way I lived when everything was great. This is the way I live when everything is bad. That he's consistent. Are you? What a challenge. What a challenge that, that these are standards that you and I should be having. We could ask ourselves some of these questions. What are you going to choose? To have purity with your eyes? That you won't look at somebody in an inappropriate sense? That you will be honest? Are, are you going to say, you won't cheat others out of the money? That you're going to be charitable or not charitable? You've you got to make a choice. Materialistic? That's your goal in life is materialism or honor the Lord with what you have. Loyalty to God or worldliness at time. This, this is all integrity. Taking advantage at work. Or do you go the extra mile to help out? Revenge or mercy to others. Listening to those who are beneath you, below you with respect or shutting them out. Whether it be your kids, whether it be spouse, whether it be a co-worker. Hiding sins or confessing them. Being greedy or hospitable. Being one thing here and another thing out there. That's integrity. That's what Job had. That's what we're supposed to have. We're supposed to be honest at work. We're to be honest at school. We're to be pure. And just because you can look at something on the internet and the privacy of your room doesn't make it right. What does God see? Just because nobody sees your bank account or your bills, it doesn't make it right that you stick somebody, that you don't pay them. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you don't be hospitable. Everything I've just mentioned is commanded for believers in the New Testament who would walk a righteous lifestyle. Here we got Job. He says, my personal integrity resulted in many blessings in the past. He says in the next chapter, my personal integrity didn't keep me from having sufferings. Then he makes this comment. He says, my personal integrity was seen in the way I lived every single day. Then he makes a comment. And I jumped over the verses because I want to look at the verses. My personal integrity means I don't deserve to be broken this way. That's where he's ending up. Look at what he says in verse 35. He says, oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me. And that my adversary had written a book. Surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. I would declare unto him the number of my steps as the prince. I would go near unto him. Who's the him? 
Who's he talking about there? Remember, this has been his discourse since about chapter 13. He has said time and time again, I want to have a confrontation, a moment with God, where I'm in court, God is the judge, I can speak to God, and I can say, God, I am innocent, lift the problems. And he's been crying this and saying this for the bulk of the book. I'm not guilty of anything. And since I'm not guilty, I want to have an audience with God and declare my innocence because in the back of his mind, if God would know how innocent he is, then God would do what with all the problems? He'd lift them. He'd lift them. And, and so he's been thinking this and saying it and saying, I would declare my sins and I'm certain, I'm positive that God would know there's nothing that I have hidden in my life. And he would check out all of my life. You know, please, look at the book. What's written in the book? Look in it. Look at, look at your book. If, if you say, hey God, look at my book. You can look at my internet track record. You can look at my checkbook track record. You can look at my grade record. You can look at how I fill out time cards at work record. You can see, I've been, I'm a person of integrity. You can see where I, where I, if I had a record of the widows and the, and the orphans and the people in need that I've helped out. You would see, and he's, he's got a book. He's got a record. He's got, he's got an account that he says is, is, Stacked filled of integrity. What would yours read? What would your biography of your day-to-day activity look like? Well, Job is saying, if I could speak with God, I am convinced, I am certain that God would say, you're right, Job. You don't deserve this. And so that's his claim. And uh, that's where he wants to have an audience with God. And can I just leave it there? Very shortly, God's going to answer him. After just a few more verses, God's going to answer him and explain certain things to him and put it straight to Job. And just basically, Job has not sinned against the Lord. He's just has some confusing idea about God owing him good. So that's going to be another message. But let me conclude with this to remind you that even though Job is blessed in the past, even though Job is suffering in the present, and Job is saying, I'm living a life of integrity, but I don't understand why I'm having all these problems. Let's conclude with this. The nevertheless, I will. Nevertheless, he is going to conclude, he has concluded, that even though I don't think I deserve all the problems, nevertheless, here's what I will do. I don't understand why, and this is where the man has great righteousness with God. He has already stated, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him and I will maintain mine own ways before him. We looked at this two weeks ago. Till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me. No matter what has happened, no matter what God is doing that I don't understand, I will live a godly life of integrity right now. I have I am, I will. That's where Job's at. That's where he is commended. He's going to be contradicted. God will deal with him about his challenge and his conclusions that God has to make everything good for him. But here's where he's at and here's where he needs to be. Here's where you and I need to be. We need to be individuals that no matter what, we 
will draw close to the Lord and live a life of integrity. Yancey has a book. A friend of his is swimming off the coast of California. He's out there swimming and doing one of these, you know, crazy swims that some people do that, you know, like some of you think it's cool to run 15 miles. This guy is out there and he's swimming, swimming, swimming. And by the way, I, I, I admire you and think you are heroic to run even 100 yards, you know, much less 15 miles. This person was into swimming. And he was out there swimming one day, doing his many-mile swim. And all of a sudden, a fog bank came rolling in, to the point that he was totally disoriented. And Yancey writes about his friends saying he went into a panic. He absolutely was so thick, didn't know which way was shore. Okay, I think it's this way. Swam, and then thought, no, maybe it's that way. Turn, and he said his, swim for, his friend for several minutes wasn't, got so disoriented, wasn't sure. And finally, what did he do? just floated, regain his strength, and try to regain his bearings. He listened. He listened. He listened. And after a number of minutes went by, he heard voices off in the distance. Chances are they're on shore. Okay? So he swam that direction, and as he swam, he paused, listened, listened, listened. The voices became multiple and it became very clear they were on shore. And he was able to get out of the fog bank as he got closer to shore. Have you ever felt in a fog that life is like surrounded you with this cloud and you're not sure which direction is God? Then why don't you pause and listen? Wait upon the Lord. Listen for his voice. Open his word of instruction and get your bearings. Be a person of integrity. That when you hear the word of God, you draw closer to him. He says that if anyone would draw closer to him, he would draw closer to you. We need to be that type of an individual. That in the middle of difficulties, we are saying, I'm going to do what's right no matter what. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to just listen and follow the Lord. I'm going to be an individual. I will trust in the Lord and live the way he wants me to live. Give you your one phrase for this week. We've, we've been trying to conclude one phrase. Would you walk away with this one phrase this week? Make this, this your mantra throughout the week. That what you will do is have integrity. Have integrity. That this week, when you are tempted to, to say some gossip, have integrity. When you are this week tempted to take something that doesn't belong to you, have integrity. When you are tempted to look at something or someone that is not appropriate for you, have integrity. When you are tempted at that moment to do something with your checkbook or pay somebody that isn't appropriate, that isn't right, that isn't what you should be doing or how you should be, have integrity. Have integrity towards the needy. Have integrity for, towards those who are your, your authorities. Have integrity to those who are underneath you. Have integrity. If you say, I, I, I haven't in the past, then you need to confess it. You need to ask for forgiveness. 
And if you are one that says, but how, what do I do? You're not sure how to get the total, complete forgiveness that Christ would offer. So that you, like Job, can say, no matter what, I'm going to be able to know I'm going to be with the Lord one day. Then we want to give you that opportunity. We're having our staff go right to those doors right now. They're going to head over there. And if you are here today and are not sure you're on your way to heaven, then they want to show you from the Bible how you can be sure. You need integrity with God. How do you get that? You get forgiveness. You get Jesus Christ to forgive you. You want to know how? Go talk to somebody. But while we're, to, we're singing a song here, you go talk if you would like. I would ask that you who are believers, those of you who know you're on your way to heaven, would you sing with me in a prayer to the Lord about having integrity this week? God, take my life. That whatever I do this week, let it be a life of integrity. The way I treat my spouse, the way I do my job, the way I talk to my parents, the way I work at work, the way that I conduct school. I want to have integrity. Pray with me this song. God, help me. Take my life. Take my lips. Take every part of me. Help me to honor you, to give my life a life of integrity.